All right, men, this is it. The time has come. Remember product pride, portion consciousness. Zero hour is upon us. Let us seize the day. Yeah, yeah, carpe these nuts. God, I can't wait to quit this job. back baby just like that here we go welcome to grown up back and i had a baby what (laughs) this is news to all of us (laughs) welcome to growing up punk the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends my name is david my friend here is aaron good sir it's good to be back yeah i mean to see you in quality and in quantity look how sharp we look hey yeah amazing Does my ring light does it does does the reflection on my glasses make you go a little crazy? It makes me th- feel like you're in a sweet like makeup tutorial. Video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, this is this is funny because I mean obviously to to our listeners, I almost referred to them as grown ups earlier today. I was like writing up a Facebook post and I was almost like, "Hey, grown ups." And I was like, that just sounds weird to like name <laughs> name our audience. So I was like, "Nope, delete, delete, delete." No, might be accurate. <laughs> it might be accurate. Um, Grown-ups that don't act like it. Yeah, this is the first episode that we've recorded since I got back from my road trip, I believe. Um, I mean, we've had all sorts of interviews and stuff that we've been we've been running. So that's been good. It's kept things, kept things moving, and things will continue to move. But here we are, man. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to kind of get back after kind of a bit of chaos and back and forth. And yeah. Looking forward to uh, keeping it going. But yeah, we had, I, I mean, was, I was pretty pumped because we had a, a ton of great interviews that we were able to line up and uh, yeah. and pull off. So here we are. We are back together, back in the saddle again, and Aaron is just throwing stuff around. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what's happening. You're just throwing things around your basement right now? Oh. <laughs> uh Sure. Sure. <laughs> yes. So I was just picturing the two of us on a horse in a saddle, and I was wondering who was in front of the other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That that's that's an. Uh, I'm gonna get my wife to. Uh, she just got uh, an app called Procreate for an iPad, like yeah. for doing art. Yeah. I'm totally gonna get get her to do a picture of me and you on a horse, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, I was I was gonna say if you're listening and you want and you want to comment, you can follow us uh, at Growing Punk Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Just go comment on any of our Instagram posts or uh, just tweet at us and and let us know who would be riding in front and who would be riding who'd be the big spoon and who'd be the little spoon on the horse um there we go I guess what kind of say... horse are we talking black stallion white stallion <laughs> i mean that's lumpy for... old horse that's about to die <laughs> that's for the that's for the listener to uh to figure out speaking of those social media yeah growing punk pod on instagram and twitter you'll find our personal instagrams and twitter's link there as well uh, you'll find us on facebook you'll find us at growingpunkpod.com um and you'll also find us on youtube Normally, I'd say if you're listening on YouTube, if you are listening to this episode on YouTube, continue on if you want, if that's what's easiest for you. But uh, you'll also find uh, the show on your favorite podcast app and the, the, the experience is so much better. But what I did want to say about YouTube is that, um, well, I mean, I've started putting out content on YouTube that's not podcast 
we're hoping Aaron, you know, maybe gets there at some point in time. He's got things he wants yeah, to I say. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, so we'll see. We want to see what it's like inside Aaron's basement. Everyone gets to see what it's like <laughs> inside my basement. Um, let's let's see inside Aaron's basement. But uh, yeah, so we've started kind of putting other stuff up there. Some of the things I've been doing on YouTube would be uh, just discussing basically records, vinyl. Uh, things like that and sort of telling stories that we don't get to tell on the podcast and uh, yeah like I said to growingpunkpod.com where I've also started blogging a lot so it's just like been busy Uh, maybe that's why it doesn't feel like it's been so long since I talked to you because things things are still things are still moving yeah and that's uh, actually one thing I like about this you know a lot of podcasts do you know seasons or you know, take a break or whatever. And it's been really fun to, well, especially this year because, well, I guess you still did a major summer thing, but for many, they were still at home and still kind of in somewhat of a more normal routine. So it was fun to hopefully be creating content that people were excited to check out every week. Yeah, we were we were able to, able to keep it going. So that's me patting myself on the back, patting you on the back uh, is pretty great. But let's I'll talk. I'll pat you since I'm behind you on the horse. Oh, oh so you've decided now who's behind <laughs> who. Okay. I like I it. I just can't get the picture out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, let's talk about, because, I mean, we are going to get into uh, some older music, sort of. This is kind of a weird one, what we're going to start this next series. We're obviously talking about MXPX. You're here. You've seen the title of the episode. You know what we're talking about. But before we get into um, our, our series on MXPX, let's talk about some new music. What's uh, What's something you've been listening to that you want to kind of make our listeners aware of if they're unaware yeah so uh, i just realized i was going to be asked this and now i have to look up the uh <laughs> oh no i i remember what it i remember what i was sorry so it was by a a band called bad year is that correct that's yes, correct okay. it sums up 2020 real well <laughs> <laughs> and the song is called blackout comment on one of our um episodes and so i went and checked with the song and and it was really good it kind of uh, caught me off guard a bit yeah and i actually have a little uh a little tidbit on it that i'm gonna pull up here real quick oh, wasn't that nice uh sorry about that but <laughs> yeah i always you know oftentimes on posts you know for podcasts or you know things like that you know bands will kind of post you know check out our latest song and and oftentimes it's kind of sketchy, but I was pleasantly <laughs> surprised at this one. So they say, the concept for Blackout was actually inspired by a serial arsonist out of California, but it is written from the arsonist's point of view to highlight struggles with mental health. Um, so they go on to say they're currently working with a new producer and working on some new music. So 
look out for look out for that. The band is called Bad Year, and the newest song is called Blackout, and it's just a great uh, punk rock song. That's awesome, man. Uh, the song that I wanted to uh, bring up, highlight a little bit. I actually had trouble picking one specific song, but I ended up coming up with one. Uh, the band is Be Well. The album is The Weight and the Cost, and the song specifically that I wanted to mention was Strength for Breath. <laughs> Here's the thing, Be Well, I don't know really anything about them. I was just on Instagram and all of a sudden saw, um, I forget what which, I want to say maybe it's New Noise magazine or whatever that was posting about them, and I was like, what is this? So I went and checked it out, and I was immediately kind of like blown away. I guess you said you'd shared it with me at some point, but I have a terrible memory, and I, I either I did listen to it and then just forgot about it, or what have you, but coming back to it, the album just came out uh, a few days ago from when we're recording this. It's melodic, it's heavy, it's fast at times, um, and the thing that kind of stands out most to me is the vocals. I don't know the last time I heard such like urgent vocals in a yeah. song. Like he embraces uh, the emotional like voice crack um, at times. T- I don't know. It, it's not like he gets up there and he's like, okay, you know, this is how I scream and it's just like really well like produced and practiced and manufactured scream and then this is how I say it's just like he gets up there and whatever comes out is what comes out I realize in saying that that it sounds like it's unpredictable and he doesn't know what's going to come out and I don't think that's true at all Um, it's very well crafted it's just uh, I think yeah like I just kept in listening to it I just kept thinking urgent like there's an urgency kind of in his in his vocals and it's uh, it's pretty awesome so if you're into, you know, kind of post-hardcore sort of stuff, um, I'd recommend checking out Be Well and their album, The Weight and the Cost. Um, yeah, so why don't we... Oh, uh, oh, I wanted to tell you, before we get into... There was something I wanted to tell you. Before we get into uh, our episode today, um, earlier today I had an eye appointment. Now, this wasn't just like a normal eye appointment. I don't know about you. I know you've got glasses. We both got glasses. I have like terrible eyes. I've got this uh, condition called keratoconus, um, which I don't know if I shared that with you, but it means my cornea. Yeah, I think you mentioned Yeah, that. my cornea is cone-shaped or whatever, right? Uh, it's And it's kind of thins out and whatever. Anyway, I went to a specialist today to kind of get an update and, and whatnot. And so part of the process in doing this um, – you know, when you go to the eye doctor and you look in the thing, you look at the little house or whatever, and then they do like the puff test and stuff like that. You do like yep. those kind of things. And then there's all these other tests that they get you to do. But in order to do them, they have to dilate your pupils. So they give you some eye drops and uh, they dilate your pupils. And <laughs> the lady says, um, she's like, okay, so it's going to sting or burn for about 30 seconds. And then you'll have blurry vision up close for the next like two to four hours or whatever. That's completely normal. So I'm like, all right. So she does it, burns for a couple seconds, whatever. That's all good. So we have to go back out to the waiting room to, uh, 
you know, kind of like wait until we're, we're called up and they, you know, let the, let the eye drops do their thing or whatever. And I brought a book with me cause I was like, I don't know how long I'm going to be sitting around for, because they said, you know, we'll be prepared to be here for a couple hours or whatever. And so I was like, all right, well, we're going to be waiting for another 15, 20 minutes. I'll pull my book out, <laughs> pulled it out. And within like two seconds, like, nope, put it right back because it was, I was wearing my glasses, but my vision was so blurry like it wasn't, it was weird because it wasn't like this thing where I felt like, man, everything got blurry because everything at a distance was still the same clarity. Mm, it was just now weird. everything close was blurry. Yeah. So I like pulled the book out. And I'm like, what? And just like held it like right in front of my face. Like, this is crazy. Put it away. I was like, well, that's obviously not happening. I guess I'm just going to sit here and wait now. But um, yeah, so I thought that was, that was funny. And, and I thought I would share it because she just told me it's going to be blurry, but here I am trying to read. So <laughs> Well, you could just stare off the distance and think emo thoughts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, speaking of thinking emo thoughts and emo bands, why don't we talk there about we the emo era of MXPX? Because yes. um, I think that's the best way maybe to describe this record. First, we're going to start with Before Everything and After. I guess prepared notes for this, but maybe um, I just wanted to share, you know, kind of like a story up front, and then you can kind of dive in a yeah, little deeper, maybe. Because uh, this was probably the first album that I wasn't rushing to the store to pick up from MXPX. Um, you know, the the previous full length would have been the Ever Passing Moment, which I like. It's a it's a that's a great MXPX album, but it's also kind of for me like the the start of a bit of a downward trend in a little bit. Like they'd obviously were signed to the, I mean, they were signed to the major label with, um, uh, what's it called? Slowly. Slowly going the way of the Buffalo. Yeah. But this one felt the first like real one where they were trying to cash in on that. Like the ever passing moment did, uh, felt like the first one where they're really trying to cash in on that. And then this album before everything and after I was kind of like, okay, yeah, it's out. I was kind of moving on. I feel a little bit at that point. Um, in fact, I had zero plans on buying this record until a friend of mine, he was a co-worker. I'm trying to think if we were still working together at the time. Anyway, his name was Cole. He came in to, I was at work, I remember that, and he came in. He's like, man, did you hear the new MXPX record? I was like, no, I mean, like, I probably won't go get it. And for myself, MXPX is that band, I've said this before, is that band that got me into music. And this was really the start of, I want to say, like, this record was really the start of where I felt the necessity to like go out and buy it to support this band that I felt like I owed something to, right? Like they were the first band that I went and bought when I first heard them, whatever I could get my hands on sort of thing. And so I kind of felt like I wanted to keep supporting these guys. So I went out and bought the record anyways, because my buddy came into work and he said, dude, you got to go, you got to check it out. It's like MXPX, but like soft pop punk. 
And I was like, what? And so, you know, like, obviously this record has piano on it. It's got a lot of different sort of sounds for MXPX on it. Um, it's different feeling MXPX at times. And also, Mike had long hair. It was just like this super weird thing to see to flip over the back. It's like he's got yeah. swoop bangs in his face. But So I did end up buying it eventually. Um, but it was the first one that was kind of like, okay, I don't, I don't know if I want to. But so why don't you um, – how were you were you f- like in line to get this record when it came out or did did it take a bit for you um i wouldn't just say i was in line i definitely was aware of it and and went and got it i can still remember the house i was living in and um i was sleeping on an air mattress and i can remember lying on the air mattress <clears throat> listening to this album you know on my walkman probably or not my walkman my discman yeah um i remember liking it but definitely being a little bit thrown off um, yeah, like you said, like the band kind of looked a bit different. The CD cover, you know, was okay, but it was a little kind of chachi for me. Kind of <laughs> just made me think of kind of like, I don't know, like butt rock bands or, <laughs> you know, just that kind of like close-up shot of holding the belt buckle yeah. crotch kind of thing. Well, it's it's interesting though, because I think, I don't know for sure, maybe you have a note on this, but I'm pretty sure they're paying homage to the Ramones and like the the Ramones first record on the on the back side of it cuz on the front is obviously that classic picture of the Ramones where they're standing against the brick wall or whatever which i think i think was taken around the corner from CBGB's i could be wrong that could just be you know like punk rock lore in my brain but the back cover of Ramones is a shot of i'm assuming it's Joey Ramones like crotch area and he's you know with the belt and whatever and so I I think that's Mm. they may but but at the same point like there's Motley Crue has a picture like kind of like that and I think the Rolling Stones do there's a ton of bands that definitely did that right I feel like MXPX was paying homage to that but I could be wrong but uh, it is it is kind of a it is it's an interesting interesting cover for sure yeah in saying that I do feel like it does fit the album you know musically so in that regards it's fine just definitely not uh not my favorite cover of theirs but yeah i remember feeling kind of torn with this because you know they were my favorite band it was cool to see them getting bigger and gaining more exposure you know they had i think this album they had a pepsi ad and some bigger tours um however i wasn't like super into a lot of the songs on this and I'm usually one that loves, you know, really produced albums, but this one almost kind of crossed the line for me. Um, it kind of lost some of its energy and the realness that I expected from MXPX. Um, you know, overall, it's still an album that I enjoy listening to, but it's definitely not in my, you know, top five records of theirs. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. Um, there are times on this record, and, and I, I kind of bring it up, I, I feel, maybe a few different times uh, in our notes about the specific songs we're going to talk about, but uh, there are times on this record where it is really polished and well-produced, but it's for sure lacking something at times. Yeah. Like, and I, and it's weird because I can't like pinpoint what it is. I'm not, I'm like, is it, does it, does it need more guitars? Does it need this? Does it need that? I can't really like put my finger on just what it is that it's lacking, but for sure it does uh lack something and uh, i'm pretty confident in saying that i mean again can't put my finger on it but let's get into uh some of the songs that we're going to look at we're going to start with the capital did you want me to, to uh, mention some notes first? oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> well i was just going to say and just your comment to lacking i think it's 
like I mentioned, just kind of realness. Like it just seems so almost kind of lasery. Like even the drums, um, especially in the faster songs, like the only fill Yuri does is just straight notes on the snare, and it's just almost too perfect. And I don't know, it just doesn't kind of have any kind of ebb and flow to it. It's just very whatever the word is for yeah the the drums definitely there are times where they kind of remind me a little bit and we talked about this way back in the day but they kind of remind me a little bit of trey cool in just like really simple and straightforward which trey cool obviously green day is a massive band right so you can't really argue with you know his his method of playing drums and how he kind of goes into it but it just felt like with this record, Yuri was definitely stripping things back quite a bit. Not that Yuri's ever been, he's not like a Travis Barker busy drummer. Right. By any yeah, means. Yeah. But, um, he, uh, it, it definitely feels like he's kind of missing something, but yeah. Why don't you get into some of those? So those other notes outside of our opinions. Yeah. So this is, uh, the sixth studio album by MXPX released on A&M. So this would have been their third album on A&M, I believe. Um, this album actually achieved the band's highest chart position on the Billboard 200, peaking at number 51, which I, uh, I'm not sure if I would have known that or expected that necessarily right, out of totally. this album. But um, like I said, they were you know gaining exposure in some ways, so I guess people were still buying lots of CDs then. Um, so this album included probably the most guest appearances they've ever had on an album, featuring members from the Halo Friendlies, Good Charlotte, the Ataris, and Newfound Glory. I remember being pretty excited at, at seeing that on the on the track listing and excited to hear those parts. The album was produced by Dave Jordan, who had produced albums for Jane's Addiction, Alice in Chains, The Offspring, Social Distortion, Red Hot Chili Peppers. So it's it's no secret that this was, you know, a huge leap for MXPX, whether that was a leap forward or backwards, right. you know, depending on how you look at it. You know, and for many, from what I've read, this is kind of the album that, that lost um, MXPX fans. Um, it just had a much more polished and produced radio-friendly sound and just had a good handful of songs that were kind of hard to swallow for, for a lot of MXPX fans. And so, you know, I get that they were trying to kind of branch out and and try, you know, kind of even push more of that polished sound that they had on the ever-passing moment. But personally, I think they kind of pushed it a bit too far into territory that just alienated too many fans. Like, it's okay to you know, switch it up a bit and still pursue a different sound. But this almost like even, um, even for me, uh, the fast songs in this album, even though they're fast, they still have that sound that kind of like almost like scratches my ear a bit where it's just like, <laughs> ah, it's just not, it's a little bit uncomfortable, you know, in a weird way, yeah. even though the song is good and sounds good. It's just something that was a bit too much for it. So, yeah. um, but yeah, they did, uh, they followed up this album with a co-headlining tour with Simple Plans, so a good fit for this album. And they uh, were supported by Sugar Cult, Motion City Soundtrack, and Billy Talent. So even that kind of goes to show maybe what they were going for, you know. Like, those bands are all way more on, you know, maybe not necessarily Billy Talent. They'd be more kind of on the on the rock side, but the rest are definitely more leaning towards the pop side. So, yeah, you know, maybe they were just trying to kind of see if they could, you know, be the next simple plan or kind of tap into into that crowd a bit more. Yeah, I mean what year what year was this record? It'll be two thousand and three, I believe. Yeah, which I mean yeah, it's September fifteenth or sixteenth, two thousand three is when it was uh released. So I mean 
like that's also for me kind of at the back end of uh and i could be wrong with this but like the tail end of really like that pop punk explosion of the early 2000s um although at the same point like that's the same that would have been released right around the same time that blink uh like their untitled record was released because i think that when it came out maybe a month or two later i don't know the exact date on that but uh so it's kind of yeah like that that tail end where things were kind of switching a little bit and i mean they were also they were they were in that you got to say because like that's really when pop punk started taking on a little more emo influence, right? Like we're only, we're not very far away from like fallout boy really coming into their own sort of thing. Um, and so, and that's, that's obviously highlighted and portrayed in, in Mike's hair, the black hair and the face sort of thing. I was going to say my chemical romance, not necessarily musically, but just that kind of, yeah, for sure. Like that was when, like that's cause I want to say, well, when was three cheers for sweet revenge? Cause it was probably, Right around that time, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge was October 2000. Oh, no, it was recorded October 2003 to February 2004. So Three Cheers was released like the next year, but you're really kind of getting into that, really kicking off um, that kind of era of of the genre. And so I just think they kind of went the wrong way, you know, like not that the thing is like with MXPX, I don't obviously and maybe had they made that pivot here. And, you know, went like, say, like the Blink-182 untitled route where they actually embrace that darker, a little bit, you know, uh, moodier sound, uh, you know, maybe then we wouldn't be having this conversation. But instead, I think, yeah, they went for that trying to hang on to that really clean pop punk sound when we were starting to get a little sadder. <laughs> so, right, you know, yeah. um, they, they kind of had the look that fit what was coming up, but they I think they just kind of missed it. But um yeah, I was lacking some grit, you know, as I listened through yeah. this album, there's just, you know, there's none of those kind of darker, moodier, gritty songs yeah. that MXPX can do really well. Yeah. So obviously they weren't going for that on this album, but, you know, maybe had they, yeah, it was just a bit too soft lyrically yeah. as well, which we can get yeah. into later, but. Yeah, well, let's let's get into, I, I teased it because I tried to jump into it. See, this is what happens when we don't, <laughs> when we don't record together, you know for quite some time we we lose our rhythm but let's get into the first song we're going to look at uh which is the capital One of the, uh, you know, there's, I think, two straight fast songs on this album. So, I mean, for me, ones that I'm drawn to, um, this one almost has, you know, maybe even the whole album at times, but this one, almost in kind of an arena rock sound with that opening guitar part. Yeah. Um, and the ending, you know, it's kind of got that clean guitar with, I don't know what the effect is on it, but it uh, reminds me of a band that wouldn't be MXPX. 
You know, it's kind of a, almost a weird mix of styles as most of the song is, is very fast, but it just seems like something is missing or out of place and can't really, maybe it's just, you know, too clean, which we've mentioned. But overall, I really like the song. A part, a part of that is that, you know, because like I've been drawn to the speed of it. I really like the verses, but the chorus really falls short um, for me on this one. Um, yeah, it's just got kind of a different vibe for a fast MXPX song. Yeah, it's it's interesting because talking about that vibe, and I think one of the things that sort of throws me off with this song, going back to Tom's guitar riff, is that he's playing, like it's not, he's not playing a fast guitar riff, right? Like he's just picking out some simple notes, and then Yuri right. comes in and Yuri's going 100 miles an hour. And it's a, so, I mean, they're obviously in time with each other, and it's an example where you don't have to play fast on guitar for the song to be right. fast, right? That's true, But yeah. it kind of like, and, and I think maybe it's just because the rest of the album sort of drags along a little bit, that even when this song is fast, it, it now feels weird, because it yeah. feels like it should be a mid-tempo song like most of the record, but here's Yuri being like, nope, right? Like, we're going we're gonna to go. I mean, like, I like the song, all in all, like it, it, it definitely lacks something overall. Um, and that's actually, I believe one of the notes I had on here, uh, I like the song, but it kind of lacks in some areas, but that's the entire album summed up really. Like there are parts I like, but it always feels like there should have been something else or they should have done something a little different. And again, maybe that's just how sparkly clean the production is, right? Like, um, there is, there's not a lick of, this, and I don't want this to come off wrong because I still love MXPX, right? And I even still love MXPX records after this. It's not like I go, okay, they're done here. But right. it yeah. lacks any real just like drive. And you said grit, which I think is a great word um, that, you know, MXPX was kind of known for. Like when I think of, you know, slowly going the way of the Buffalo, it's got some songs that are just straight up 100 miles an hour, Mike screaming, right? Like, And so they kind of always had those songs, not necessarily where he was screaming, but where they were going real fast. And then Ever Passing Moment kind of was the first one again where they sort of dialed that back a little bit, right? And it just feels even more in your face on this album that like, oh, hey, you know, uh, we are, we're, we're kind of not that band anymore. And, you know, it, it kind of creates a little bit of a sadness, <laughs> Yeah, well, and on the albums before, you know, I just feel like lyrically, especially, it just came off a bit more honest and genuine, which added a lot to the album. And this one overall doesn't hold a lot of value lyrically for me. And so I think that does affect the kind of music as well. Um, yeah, it just doesn't have that kind of authenticity that MXPX was known for. Yeah. You know, everything to me, again, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound so negative on this, but. It just kind of came off as, you know, even a song like this, it's like, do they just throw this on because they felt like, well, we, we, we should have at least a few fast songs. Yeah. But I don't know necessarily know that the speed of the song, I mean, it aided the song just because I like speed, but I don't know if it necessarily <laughs> made the song is, excuse me, as good as it, as good as it could yeah. have been. Yeah. It, it, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it feels like they're like, okay, we need something that's fast. Like maybe Yuri played that as more of a mid-tempo song originally, and they're like, well, let's just let's just double time this one and let's go with it. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. Let's move on to uh, the next song, which it's also interesting that the songs you picked were all towards the end of the record because uh, the next song is "Don't Walk Away." 
Yeah, and as I was going through it, I kept being like, ah, I mean, this one's okay, but it, it was hard to pick songs on this album because there's not, you know, these are ones that kind of stand out for various reasons, not necessarily because, you know, they're the best songs or I really love them, but um, yeah, so Don't Walk Away, I've, I've always liked this song, it's, you know, it's got a different beginning for a song from them, it's, yeah. you know, much slower, um, Yuri's just kind of playing on the hi-hats and there's... Uh, some kind of a guitar part or something, <laughs> or maybe it's just the bass playing in there. Um, again, it, it almost has that arena rock sound, very unlike them, but something um, about it seems to work better on this song, maybe just because they're not trying to, you know, amp it up so much. Um, and I especially love when the chorus comes in. I really like the chorus on this, uh, on this one. As with many songs on this album, lyrically, this song is about a relationship, which I'm guessing is um, about his wife-to-be, I believe, at the time. Um, I mean, there's a lot of love songs on this album, uh, which is fine. It would have been nice to have, you know, a little bit more dynamic on that. But it's more of a, a ballad-type song. Um, but I like this one definitely better than some of the other slower ballad-type songs on this album. So, yeah, it's kind of a, one of those middle-of-the-road songs that I like when it comes on. There's not necessarily anything super special about it, but stands out for some reason for me it's interesting to me because the note that i have going back to the intro is so it's this mxpx trying to write an angels and airwaves song um yeah but I this actually precedes angels and airwaves it precedes blink 182 untitled mm-hmm. uh because even like it's but it, but it has that like you know kind of space pop punk sound <laughs> like just the intro it doesn't it doesn't pay off in the way that Blink would on Untitled or that Angels and Angels and Airwaves does at times. Uh, right. it's kinda got I really like the intro. Uh, and then it just kind of goes into a song, you know, like that's that's a classic case for a lot of I've heard it you know, countless times where a band puts all this work into an intro and then when the song actually comes in, the rest of the song, it's just kinda like all right, like that was great. You clearly spent all your time doing that. And now you've tacked, like, almost like you've tacked it on. I'm even, like, you know, guilty of that. That's why when I jam with any of my buddies, we just end up writing really long intros because we can never figure out anywhere <laughs> good to go with our song. Um, but so it kind of has that feel to me. Um, and I'm not sure if this is the first time a piano is featured on an MXPX song or not, but it really drives home the reason I bought this album to begin with. Again, was, like, kind of that change up for, like, the soft pop punk. But it also ends up being, like... Um, the biggest drawback for me, like going through this record is just being like, eh, and it does get a little repetitive, but again, I think that sums up this album pretty strongly is it does get repetitive at times. Mike is kind of a repetitive songwriter in that sense a lot of the time, but you know, it's sometimes it works and sometimes it just goes, okay, like I get it. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. I feel like with this producer, he was kind of reaming on them to like, just kind of stick with the basic parts kind of try hook the singer in and not, you know, get too crazy with any out, out there bridges. Like, yeah. yeah, everything's very kind of on par to where it should be. There's not many uh, surprises on this album. It's interesting that you bring up the bridge and, and not doing any crazy bridges because the next song we're going to talk about is You're Not Alone. <laughs> The time is near when I will need this phone. Then we'll stay home alone and watch the twilight zone. 
you've got a note on the bridge on this one, but why don't you share your initial thoughts? Yeah, well, I'm glad they they ended the album on a on a higher note with some more energy. Um, I like the uh, the pick slides that lead into the verses. It kind of um, almost kind of prolongs the verse coming in. Just thought that was a cool added feature on that. Um, the chorus definitely stands out with a uh, guest vocalist Jordan Punding, Pundick from Watch New Found Glory. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I have about the bridge is it kind of does like a like kind of a weird key change yeah. or or something in there, um, and then goes back to that with ending the chorus and. It's it's not bad. I just I kind of thought that part got got a little bit repetitive. But I, overall, overall, I like the song. Yeah, I think the key change doesn't happen in the bridge. I think the key change he's singing the chorus after the bridge, because the bridge he kind of goes to these like, I don't know if they're like diminished minor chords, whatever. It actually really and it's just a couple lines. It really reminds me of the Beatles, which is strange to say. Uh, you know, I don't uh-huh. know that I've ever compared you know, MXPX to the Beatles, but just in the way that they kind of really changed it up for the bridge. I really like it. Um, and this song on the whole, you know, it's nice to kind of see MXPX get back to that bit of a harder edge, which you sort of mentioned. And uh, it kind of sounds like it would fit in on the ever passing moment, which, you know, was a bit harder than this record, not by a ton. Uh, they kind of, you know, as we were talking about, were working their way to a bit more uh, of a tamed polished sound. Um, but I really like, and it's funny, I like Tom's backup vocals on the chorus for some reason. He's just repeating what Mike sings, but it just sounds... Well, isn't that Jordan doing oh, that? Oh, I guess it probably is. Maybe yeah, that yeah, would make sense. Jordan, that's yeah. why it stands out. I was like, yeah. you know, it sounds... I didn't even well, look Tom at the... Tom can sing that good. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> I've actually, for uh, for the longest time, I've thought Tom actually does decent backup vocals. Like, I always like his harmonies. They're simple harmonies. Yeah, but, but yeah, that makes sense. Like, I knew that... You know that I, I often refer to this record as you know like the the features album or whatever because yeah there are yeah. a number of songs with with features on here and um, that totally makes sense though because I don't think on Apple Music it actually lists featuring Jordan Pundix so I wouldn't have paid attention but 100 percent that's what's going on there it's the change in vocals um, and apparently Mike's wife loves to sleep because in each verse he references her falling asleep whether it's in the backseat of the car or falling asleep on him. Uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. He's yeah, <laughs> it's just a mushy way to add into the lyrics. I don't know if she actually likes sleeping. <laughs> I think she does, or at the time she did. Um, <laughs> but uh, did you have any other notes on Before Everything and After that you wanted to share? No, not specifically. Just, yeah, one of those albums that I don't mind if it comes on, but it's never going to be the one that I specifically pick to listen to if I'm craving them. Well, in that sense, then, let's get into Panic. Which is, uh, you know, they, they must have not been super happy with with Before Everything and After because, you know, the next album, they're more or less back to, you know, kind of their, not necessarily their original sound, but, 
you know, going back to having a bit more emotion in the lyrics, um, a bit more grit to the songs. Um, so this one was produced by Stefan Edgerton from The Descendants, um, which I think was a, a great move for them, you know, going... You know, so there's, there's a lot of things that, that change between here. They're, they left the major label. Um, you know, they're back with a punk producer, back on a punk indie label, um, Side One Dummy. Um, so I, I don't really know what happened with their major label. I'm assuming, you know, they just weren't big enough. And then yeah, I think they were just done. Like, because that was their third record, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think been. A&M even re-released Life in General. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like it was just... That was kind of the end of their deal. Maybe later on, yeah, yeah, which could have been. And, and and I'm glad they didn't pursue something else. I think they're better suited for kind of the, the independent world. And you know, they got that record out of their system. And I mean, I'm just kind of putting words in their mouth and assuming. But <laughs> when it, with an album like this, it's like okay, you know, they're they're kind of back. Yeah. And uh, and they keep that up, you know, until currently, right? They they never really. They, they still do have poppy songs, but not near to the extent that um, the Before Everything and After had. So, right. Um, yeah, so I, w- I was happy they went back to this. You know, they still have some of the, the poppier radio-friendly elements, but um, was bringing in some of that, that grit again. Um, so this was supposedly a breakthrough album when the single Heard That Sound proved a minor radio hit. It also featured Blink-182's Mark Hoppus on Wrecking Hotel Rooms. Um yeah, and then in they, the co-headlining tour they did for this one was with a starting line. Um, so, again, still keeping it, you know, fairly poppy, um, Yeah, which is interesting because none of these bands, uh, and also they had support from the Matches and I Am the Avalanche. So, again, none of those bands were really in, you know, well, I shouldn't say not in the punk rock realm. They, they were in the overall, right. but I would have expected an album like this to, um, you know, just be supported by bands... Uh, I can't even think of any come to mind. Like, I mean, I think of Rise Against. I feel like they would have been a great support for Rise Against. Right. You know, at, at this time, right? It was this, you know, 2000, oh yeah, 2006. Yeah. Um, so that's still when Rise Against was kind of more in there. 2005, sorry. Or 2005, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, so, yeah, some, something like that. It was just, you know, a little bit more, uh, not necessarily angst, but a little bit more aggression, a little bit more energy behind the songs. Yeah. It's it's interesting about this record um, because when I first heard it, I almost threw the CD out the window after I bought it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like if it wasn't you just for liked it that much, if it wasn't for my friend Amos who was with me, that CD would have ended up on the side of the road, probably shattered by another vehicle that drove over it. And it's funny because I don't. I'm sure when I put it in, I was kind of like, okay, I like the start, the first few songs, and then it hits this like like chunk of songs that literally I, I at the time ruined the album for me that would be like wrecking hotel rooms uh mm. late again uh they're not all necessarily back to back um because there are yeah. some but like uh but i mean yeah wrecking hotel rooms and late again are back to back and then gray skies turn blue i hated and then emotion yeah, yeah. emotional anarchist i initially hated it as well so there's just like this chunk of songs in the middle that was like with each one and then like even kicking and screaming in there it's kind of like annoying right so like with each one i was yeah. like ah! and then I, I almost took it out of the cd player and threw it out the window he's like dude if you're not going to keep it i'll take it i ended up keeping it um and my opinion on the record has changed over the years but for sure initially i was like i can't 
I don't know what it is about this record. I just can't get into it. But I will say this. Uh, for sure, going through um, the records this time around, it was the one that I was more interested in going back to. Um, so why don't, we, why don't we get into some of the songs that we're going to talk about, starting with The Story. <laughs> on that yeah i remember being happy with the the direction of this album but yeah i i definitely didn't kind of pour over it like i had you know previous albums uh, maybe just because i was getting into more heavier stuff but yeah there was still I, I can remember some of those songs too being a little a little lackluster and not like super excited about it but still liked it better than the previous one but right. yeah, the first song is uh, called the story um, yeah, I love the intro on this song. It has a, a cool, harder edge to it before going into the first verse uh, where the guitars kind of drop out and then they lead into the guitar line that keeps the verse going. And I thought that was uh, an interesting way to uh, to do that song. Um, yeah, it has a bit of a grittier feel to it while still being melodic, which is one of my favorite elements of MXPX, like yeah. we've mentioned. Um, and so it was nice to, to hear that again. Um, the song contemplates the story of our life and asks the questions, how will the story end? Where does the time go? All we really want to know is how will this life end? Um, yeah, it almost kind of focuses on the idea that if we, if we stand up and use our voice and we can make a difference to how, to how our story ends. And so um, I thought that was uh, kind of a, a cool thing to think on. Yeah, I love like the, um, as you mentioned, like this is a grittier MXPX again. Uh, I, I kind of describe the intro as harsh. Uh, it kind of sounds harsh and then kind of leads into a darker sounding MXPX than what we had just heard on Before Everything and After. Um, the chorus is super catchy in kind of an annoying way because I feel like he repeats the words but also like quickly and right back to back sort of thing. Like Yeah, um, yeah that's true. But the second verse I think is maybe... For sure on this record, and maybe all time, some of Mike's best lyrics, uh, when he says, can I get a new soul, the one I've got's been trampled yeah, I love on, that. the push and pull like a bottle of gin at Al-Anon, can I get a new heart, the one I got works way too hard, like a prisoner of war that's come home bruised and scarred. It's so good. And yeah, we need more of that, Mike. Right? And like the, the Al-Anon lyric, I was like, what the heck is Al-Anon? And then I was like, oh, Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> makes, oh, yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's honestly, this song has always kind of stood out 
from the and and you know like like I said the album I think started strong for me in the first place and this this is like the the last before it kind of hits the sour point for me um so I've always kind of really really dug this song but uh, why don't we get into the next one on the list which is emotional anarchy stack your bricks up to the sky Yeah, so again, this was, when I picked this one, I kind of went back and forth because I, I do remember not necessarily loving this song, but as I listened to it a few more times um, in preparation for this, I, I found myself enjoying it. It's got a really catchy uh, chorus on this one. There's not really a lot to this song, though. Know, it's got repeating parts and a, a super short bridge. It clocks in at um, just under two minutes, if not exactly two minutes. Lyrically seems to play off the idea of someone almost being a, a fake anarchist. Like they want to rebel and want change, yet they're just upset about silly things or they're just too emotionally invested versus being able to have some, you know, actual solid validations to what they're upset about. And, and that's actually the turning point on the song for me because when I first heard the song, I thought he was literally like describing someone who is like, um, you know, unhinged emotionally. Uh, because, you know, they pissed because you've never been kissed sort of thing, right? But the take that I have on it now isn't so much just like, oh, you know, you're an emotional anarchist, as in, um, you know, you let... It, and it, when I say it out loud, it kind of all sounds the same, but it's processing different in my brain. <laughs> um, you know, like, instead of saying, like, oh, you're an emotional anarchist, you're getting, you know, you just want craziness anarchy in your life because you don't have someone to love versus mm. it being a song like you said about it being someone who's you know maybe like a fake anarchist or fake angry or whatever or you know gets into you know kind of the punk rock subculture uh because they just have never been able to find someone, you know, pissed because they'd never been kissed. The only reason you're angry at the system is because you haven't found someone to love you yet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's kind yeah. of like when it, when it kind of flipped the switch a little bit and it being less about, you know, like someone who's just like dramatic in relationships and more about someone who's, you know, like jumping on board with these, you know, punk rock ideals because they just can't find someone to, to love them. I'm like, okay, I, I can get behind a little bit more. I did like, how he rhymes in the song, you know, like emotional anarchist pissed. Cause you've never been kissed. Like it's just, it really yeah, rolls off the tongue. Line. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue real, real well, but it was a song that, uh, along with, as I mentioned earlier, wrecking hotel rooms that kind of maybe want to throw the CD out the window, but this time around, it's a kind of a catchy song that I'm like, all right, I can, I can get a little bit more into this song, but wrecking hotel rooms, however, is still a song that would make me throw a CD out the window. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have uh, the song. Um, oh, why did it just blank me? What was the other um, single off of this album? Uh, was it heard that heard sound? that sound? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was one I was just going to touch on briefly. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really did like uh, that one. I mean, it's still a bit lighter, but I, I feel like that was a really catchy song, and 
And uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it really you know did much for them, but I remember hearing it once in a, in a Max convenience store and being super stoked. Yeah, it's funny because I used to work at a radio station and we played the darkest places uh, on the radio, which I was like, so that was like kind of my real connection initially with this record. I shouldn't say initially because this would have been a couple of years after that, but that's what we we're what we played off this record. But um, yeah, wrecking hotel rooms. We'll talk about it briefly because I mean we have to. It's it, like it's got the Mark Hoppus feature, um, which he sounds great. Mark Hoppus, I think, is one of like kind of the nicest like backup vocalists yeah, in the game when it comes to features. Yeah, uh, so that sounds great. But the rest of that song, I just cannot get into. Yeah, um, and the video is pretty cringy too. Yeah, right. Is that the one where he's like like looking through the door? Yeah, he's on like the bus playing the acoustic with the eyeliner and yeah, yeah, uh, emo MXPX. Let's get yeah. into the last song that we're going to talk about on this record, which is "Get Me Out." So again, drawn to that that grittier, darker MXPX. Always love when they put these types of songs on the album. Just adds so much more dynamic to the overall album, and um, yeah, just kind of cuts off that pop edge a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you definitely wouldn't hear a song like this on before everything and after. <laughs> it's also a bit of a darker song lyrically. I'm not exactly sure what he's referring to, but something he wants to get out of. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Um, it's interesting because this song initially, probably in uh, my days of writing this record off, uh, when I first heard it, I thought, I just wrote it off as MXPX just trying to appease their fans with stuff that sounded like older MXPX. Like it didn't, initially for me, it felt like, well, we've just come from, you know, a couple of years ago, this album before everything and after, which was like, you know, really a different MXPX. And now we've got this, it feels to me initially it felt a little forced but now it's easily one of my favorite songs on the record um so i guess in the end they won they appeased me (laughs) but uh (laughs) this this album for the most part felt like mike returning to form or even evolving in his lyricism to kind of like higher levels because he would he'd hit a point i feel lyrically where i was like okay like mike has matured as a lyricist and now he's writing songs that i can kind of relate to as an adult or, you know, as a young adult or whatever, as opposed to being like stuck in, you know, like high school Mike. And I feel like this album really did that. The line in this song, uh, to find a way out, just a sliver of light, I'll crawl and I'll fight and I'll scratch and I'll bite. is just, I like, I think it's a great line. Um, it captures the angst in the song. Obviously the song's got a gnarly sound and it all really comes together. And the end with the screaming and then like the, the panting, the heavy breathing, uh, yeah. just makes me want to listen to it all over again. Being like, what is he so worked up about? <laughs> I like to think of him writing this song, like in the studio and they're recording before everything and after and just being like, man, what is going on with this album? Yeah. Or maybe not even necessarily that, but just like, okay, I gotta like, just let some aggression out here. Yeah. 
So who yeah, who knows when he wrote it, but I just like to picture maybe you know, with his long swoopy hair just like <laughs> writing this song and be like, Okay, I can't put it on this album, but next one it's going on there. Maybe he wrote it when they were working with that other producer. He's like, Ah, oh, just get me out of here. <laughs> get me out. Yeah. Who knows? Because yeah, it is it is a fantastic song. But um I think in conclusion, I used to um I used to like before everything and after more as an album. Um, and I can't say that anymore. I'd written panic off and hardly ever, you know, kind of came back to it. Uh, and in listening back to back though, those two records, it's obvious that MXPX were correcting the ship on panic. I think from what had, what they'd, you know, come up with from before everything and after, um, before hitting what I consider their kind of like second wave of killer albums, because MXPX is this interesting band for me where i mean obviously you have the first couple records which is them sort of figuring out who they are right and then we yeah. i didn't say off the top what this this kind of series that we're doing here is um because we're, we're going to do a number of mxpx albums but they're all everything after um and before everything and after uh uh the ever passing moment right so we're starting we're starting there we will get to i realize the renaissance ep was released before this record and we will do it we're going to do an ep's episode but um, so we're looking at everything after the ever passing moment up until now. And so with MXPX, they're interesting for me because obviously they hit their stride with life in general and slowly going the way of the Buffalo. And then to a strong point as well, the ever passing moment. And then they kind of fall off a little bit. Right. And I think panic is like the first record listening to it now where they're starting to kind of ramp that back up because for myself, a little bit of a spoiler alert. I really like the next couple of albums that they put out. Um, so it's kind of interesting to go back and listen to this now and be like, okay, I can see them kind of course correcting a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, maybe they just needed to get it out of their system. And like I said before, that's, that's fine. If bands do that, I don't necessarily think it was in the best way possible, but I mean, you never, there's lots of factors that go into it. And so yeah. good for them for doing that. But also I'm glad that they didn't just keep pushing that side of things. You know, when I kind of think of a band like green day where, you know, they kind of start that progression and then it just kind of keeps going and it never really comes back much to the original form and yeah. just think that kind of loses a lot of interest from listeners. Uh, but, but, I mean, American Idiot is still a ridiculously good record. <laughs> yeah. Because like, that's where you're talking about the start of the change, I'm assuming, right? And I even like 20th century or 21st century breakdown. Yeah, well, I would even say, like, Warning was when they kind of, you know, yeah. a very drastic shift yeah. and then they kind of, you know, brought back to more rock. Yeah. But Nowadays, American Idiot still has some like really big radio songs. Oh, that for sure, yeah, yeah. I just didn't love and yeah, you know, which which again, that's great that they're trying different things, but they just kind of keep going in that direction. Yeah, and so I mean, yeah, we can't can't compare MXPX to Green Day. Never played on that level, but I I know what you mean. Like, um, and I kind of like see that a little bit with MXPX, where there's sort of like waves, I guess you could say. And Panic is an, as a record where, you know, Mike was getting back to or like starting to write solid lyrics and the band was back to playing kind of with more of an edge from where they had been. Um, st some standouts actually for me lyrically off Panic, some of the songs we didn't necessarily mention, some of them we did, but The Darkest Places, uh, I've always loved yeah, that song cool lyrically. Um, the Story, which obviously we talked about, Kicking and Screaming, which initially like the chorus kind of annoys me. But the rest of the song kind of gets to me, get me out, obviously, and waiting for the world to end are some songs where I'm just yeah. like, all right, like these are the lyrics that I can really get behind with Mike. And he, he, you know, 
kind of gets more into that as we move forward too. But uh, there are definitely still some like bland songs on Panic, like we mentioned, "Wrecking Hotel Rooms," "Gray Skies Turn Blue." I actually thought. <laughs> Uh, in my brain, this song is on before everything and after, which obviously it isn't, but in my brain, that's where, because it sounds, it's one of the songs I think on here that sounds like it could fit on there. Um, and late again, I don't mind the song, but it just gets kind of annoying real quick. Yeah. A little too cow punk, maybe yeah. a better tumble down song. Yeah. Well, and that's totally the vibe that I get. And I don't know if tumble down was a thing yet at this point. So yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. I think really- he started that. Yeah, when they stop kind of being a full-time yeah, band. Yeah, and we've mentioned it before everything and after just kind of feels too polished, lacking any real edge or character. Uh, still some decent songs on there, but my mind has definitely been changed entirely on where these records would sit in my rankings. Um, I used to be like just quick to say, oh, Panic is right at the bottom. And I mean, it's it's still like, I mean, it's not a top-tier MXPX record for me by any means, but... You know, it's definitely moved up a little bit in, you know, kind of listening to this. It was the one easily, like I, I went through before everything and after maybe once in prep for this. And part of that's because it was the one that I'd listened to more um, in the past. But then Panic, this one, this time around, I was like, okay, there's something I missed, I feel, in the past that, mm. you know, kind of yeah. looking at it a little differently now. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's still enough to take away from this one that, uh, yeah, it makes me excited to to get into the other ones. Yeah, so that's actually going to wrap it up. So the the other ones that we talk about, um, I just want to make sure we do these in order. Well, actually, our next episode isn't going to be on MXPX. Uh, if you've been following along, we um, we we've started doing series, but we like to break them up so that it's not just all MXPX all the time or all Blink when we did Blink, all that kind of stuff. Um, so our next episode is actually going to be the plan is for it to be on No Motive because. Uh, they were a band that both you and I were introduced to um, by seeing MXPX live, and they quickly yep. became one of my favorites. And I was like, "Let's let's talk about it." And also, I should say we're not going to do "Let's Rock" by MXPX because it's just a collection of B sides and stuff. So it doesn't rock that hard, and it doesn't rock that hard. So we're going to get into <laughs> when we get back to MXPX. We got "Secret Weapon," and uh, and then I believe "Plans Within Plans" is after that. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, unless we do on the cover too, I don't know. Maybe we will, <laughs> but uh, uh, we'll we'll see where we go. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair to compare on the cover two uh, to a, an album of originals. But uh, yeah, anyway, that is going to do it. So make sure again you go follow us on our social medias at Growing Punk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us online growingpunkpod.com. We're on YouTube. We're literally everywhere you find podcasts. As far as I know, unless there's some like obscure podcast app that i don't know i'm sure there is i'm sure there is but uh anyway you can find us basically wherever you want to find us so wherever you're listening subscribe rate review tell your friends all that good stuff like i said go follow us growing punk pod that is gonna do it for this one so bye-bye and just so you know uh hot dog if you do come back this job won't be here for you i hope you're right i am right you're fired Bye, bye i mean i already quit no Here's how it went down. You walked in, uh, you're fired. All right, and thanks for being so mature about this. Professional. I was very professional. You're fired.